Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMacos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And if you didn't listen to our first quarterback show, you should go back and listen to it. We covered half of the top 20. Uh, if you want to check out Jamie's rankings, you can go to the draftnetwork.com. He has put some incredible work into what will be the next couple of weeks, some drops for our premium members only. So if you want to become a premium member, we're going to have more exclusive fantasy football content there there's also free fantasy football content there's a fantasy tab up at the top of the draft network you can check all of that out uh as usual but you should definitely listen to the first part of this quarterback podcast because it was a hell of a lot of fun and there's a lot of what we what we got to was there are so many good quarterbacks and none of them are on the Chicago Bears. I just got that right out of the way, so Jamie couldn't say it for me. We are talking about AFC quarterbacks today, but before we do that, we're going to talk about something else that's going on in football, and that is, as Jamie said in the pre-show meeting, the gift that keeps on giving, and that is Sir Adam Gase. He has created another issue with a player in the locker room uh, Jamal Adams wants out. We had rumblings of this before. It's now more out in the open. Adam Gase is speaking. Jamal Adams is speaking. Jamie, what is realistic here? Because this show does an exceptional job of telling fans what they can't have. And that, and that pisses some of them off, but it's also just reality. And so maybe talk about what is a more realistic situation because I'm quite sure he's not going to end up on most NFL teams. I honestly, and I'm not, this might sound like a, a hot take or a troll. I promise you it's not. I truly believe the most realistic scenario is that Jamal Adams is on the Jets longer than Adam Gase is. And that means I think Jamal Adams is on the 2021 New York Jets. That's basically yeah. what I'm trying to say at this point. Um, you know, there's a player of his talent level uh, at the amount of money he wants coming off uh, basically after a third year. Um, it's just, and the cap situation, which, you know, Jacob is going to talk about a little bit here, but you have to think about not only is just the current cap situation, but there's a lot of uncertainty about how much the cap would even go up if it goes up at all, if it doesn't go down because of the revenue shifting that's going to be in place because of the, of the COVID pandemic. I mean, we still don't know what happens if there's an abridged season. I don't, they're not raising the cap for 2021 if they don't get 16 games in 2020. Uh, and they're already not going to have fans in the stands. So there are a lot of factors to contribute. And all of the top contending teams that he listed that he wanted to go to are, are going to have cap issues. Like Dallas can't pay after paying all the money that they handed out in guarantees. They can't pay Dak and Jamal Adams. Buccaneers can't pay Jamal Adams. The Eagles might not be able to pay anybody in two years. So, I mean, there's just a, it's a really tough scenario. Plus, from the Jets' perspective, he is a franchise-level defensive player at the safety position. They have at least two more years of team control and the franchise tags that they can use on him. They don't need to be in any hurry. If somebody blows their doors off with a trade offer, sure. But I don't think that's going to happen because of all the other cap situation things we talked about. And you're not going to trade them to a team that is going to go, eh, we're like 50-50 on whether or not we're going to be able to get them under the salary cap if we resign him. I just don't see a fit right now. And given the fact that I expect the Jets to have some level of success this year but not be a playoff team, 
given all of the stuff that keeps continuing to come out about Adam Gase, I can't imagine he's going to be long for that team. And I think at, at some point, if there's like, if it's going to be a, a pre- player's revolution, a, a, at least a, maybe not a revolution, but like a mini version of that with all your top players keep coming out and, and talking about how bad the head coach is and how he doesn't like them and how they want out. At some point, he hasn't done enough to warrant you giving him the benefit of the doubt over everybody else, especially as you see a lot of his former players having a lot of success without him and other teams. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, basically we have another, I don't want to call Jamal Adams a diva, but I'm going to say diva DB just in general, talking themselves out of a situation. I mean, you better be careful. Now he'll make more money when he gets traded to Jacksonville because Florida doesn't have state income tax, but he's going to lose a ton off the field when you're losing, you're leaving the biggest media market and he is an absolute superstar. I don't know that the Jets aren't going to do anything unless somebody blows their doors off. I mean, the only team that comes to mind that's a contender that has cap space that would love him is Indianapolis. But there's a dude named Malik Hooker that was an absolute freak coming out of Ohio State a few years ago that they've got sitting back there. I don't know that they need him, and they're not going to give up two first-round picks for him. No. Uh, you know, the crazy thing with Adam Gase, guys, when his quarterback is healthy, he's over 500 as a head coach. It's a, it's a kind of a crazy stat because he gets crushed. And the eyeball thing in the press conference, I still don't get. But, like, he went to the playoffs in Miami. When Tannehill was healthy last year, when, he, when Darnold was healthy, he's got a winning record as a head coach. The Jets are paying, like, three guys still. I mean, I, I don't know. Bottom line, end of story, they've got him for two more years with the ability to franchise him. He has leverage, yes, but not a ton. He was a sixth yeah. overall pick. He's making good money. He deserves a new contract after this year, after year four. But they're just going to pick up his fifth-year option. I mean, unless somebody blows their doors off, and it's going to take a, it's going to take two two ones or a one and a really good two. Cincinnati, Jacksonville, who are we looking at here? He's going to be pissed. He wants to That's go to contender. The Bucks can't do it. Philadelphia can't do it. Dallas, Dallas can't do no. it. San Francisco can't do it. Seattle can't do it. New Orleans yeah. can't do it. New Orleans is that. I mean, none of those teams. They were tied. Kansas City can't do it. I mean, I'm sure, people would love to see him paired up with Tyron Matthew. Kansas City has no money. All these teams, and they because they got to pay Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, yeah. Name me somebody that can pull this off. The Raiders can't do it. Um, they might have a chance if they move some stuff. I mean, the only way to really get it done is to trade a player and a first round pick. Aaron Donald kind of thing. Okay, we trade Aaron Donald and we save twenty-two million on the cap. We can now put Jamal Adams with Jalen Ramsey. We move on from that, but it's going to take more than just straight up. Yeah, I think that's the only. I think that's the only way that it could potentially get done is if there's a significant player involved because the timing is bad, right? That's the biggest part of this. The, the time for this Jamal was pre-draft. But now that we're post that, we're post free agency, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, people have bigger fish to, they're trying to figure out way bigger issues than what you got going on. It's just bad timing. I mean, it, it's, it's bad timing. And the teams he listed, there's not, it's not happening. Like those teams are not making that happen without giving up somebody on their team right now. And I just, I just don't see it happening. I think I'm with Jamie. If I if gun my head had to make a decision, I think he's playing for the for New York next year, and I I, I think we're not even talking about this in a couple of months, right? Um, I get it. You don't get along with Adam Gase. He's a 
quarterback guys and offensive minded guy and you had Todd Bowles who's much more defensive obviously a defensive minded guy I, I get it Adam Gase is by all accounts looks like a freaking strange bird okay I, I, he's a weird guy but to Jake's point that's a really interesting stat that when his quarterback is healthy he's above 500 and there is obviously some leeway here because Sam Darnold had mono last year so there was just okay. Let's see what this Jets team can do this and they year. They finished strong. That's exactly right. Seven and nine, and we're hot down the stretch. I mean, here's a thing: you guys got to be really careful what they ask for, when they wish for, and when they say it. The Jets are primed to potentially, if they stay healthy, because this is going to be a weird year, to maybe win the division. If that's the case, they bought Adam Gase two more years. Oh, one hundred percent. And that that could be the argument against what Jamie was saying. I personally agree with him. I think Jamal Adams is there longer than Gase, but I mean, it just, it's just, it's terrible timing and you cannot come out and call out your head coach. You're not going to hold out in year three, year four. You have to show up at camp. I mean, here, play devil's advocate for a second. Hear me out on this. He wants to go to Dallas, right? Is he from Texas? I know he played at LSU. He's from the he's South. From he, Tex- he's from right? Texas, they, I believe. He would love to go play for the Cowboys. They got lucky and CeeDee Lamb fell in their lap. CeeDee Lamb is cheap for the next five years. Amari Cooper's not. You got lucky. Maybe you replace Amari Cooper with CeeDee Lamb. You trade Amari Cooper and something else to get a piece in the secondary for Jamal Adams. Are they going to do that? Highly unlikely, but it would free up a bunch of money to get Dak done. And you still have a number one receiver. Gallup came on last year. You can go back to, okay, we're going to run it through Zeke. And we pick up a much needed piece of a superstar in the secondary. If I was Dallas, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, something like this makes sense, right, guys? I mean, you have to have – they got to get a player and a pick in return to move on from a guy like that because the Jets really are the ones with all the leverage. Jets need a a wide receiver, a top-tier wide receiver, right? This actually makes a ton of sense. I actually like this. I don't think it's going to happen, but it makes sense, right? Especially from – I'm trying to think of scenarios that we could throw A scenario – yeah, that makes sense, right, for both sides. And, again, this goes back to how much actual dollars does Jerry Jones want to pay. Because you can do that. You can make that work with, with the cap. Amari Cooper can be traded next season. Yeah, other than that not, giant not be, check he already gave Amari Cooper. And then have to give another giant check to Jamal Adams, you yes. know, when you sign him. So, I mean, that, that's where the real dollars comes into play here. But it, it is, cap-wise, it is feasible. Uh, next year, they can trade Amari Cooper even on this new contract and it not absolutely kill them on the cap. So, it can be done. But, you know, if only there was another really good wide receiver that got traded this offseason – uh, that the Jets could have matched the price on. So it's, it's too bad that didn't happen for them. Yeah, we don't know about – here in Arizona, we know nothing about wide receivers that got traded. Absolutely I'm telling you this nothing. much. If way less than Jamal Adams. Amari can get, can get traded. Yeah, for way less than Jamal Adams. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, for way less than when Jamal Adams is right. All right, let's get into these quarterbacks, guys. We're talking AFC top 20. Uh, We're going off of Jamie's uh, projections and rankings here, and then Jake will tell you kind of where he has said quarterback ranks. So I'm going to start with number 20. Strictly from watching football from his couch. Yes, strictly from watching football from his couch, yes. Strictly football guy. Now we're adding my my couch in. Yeah, Yeah, the couch is there. Lazy boy. And then just to make sure that we're staying on brand here, Jamie's calculations happen by watching no football and only with calculators. Okay, yes, just, yep. so, just so we're clear. All Texas right. Instruments. Texas. <laughs> Spreadsheets and calculators. Spreadsheets and calculators and no football. All right, number 20 on the list, uh, Mr. Carr, Mr. Derek Carr. Jamie, 
Uh, I'm actually, I found myself like kind of semi rooting for Derek Carr, all the, all the off season stuff and adding Mariota. And I don't know, he's a likable guy. And you were, a, you were listed as a hater of the Raiders two years ago, right? You came in hot. You were right. You, you brought, you were right about where they were going to be. You were, it's so I have to give you credit, but the, uh, the Twitter sphere was not very happy with you. Then you came kind of around on them a little bit last year and maybe you like them a little bit more this year. So what do you like about Derek Carr and he rounds out uh, your top 20? Yeah. So I like him a lot more than the consensus. Uh, he's going closer to like quarterback 25, somewhere around that range. You know, my thought process here with this, and, and I've done a lot of a lot of research this offseason on the Raiders in particular because the different articles I wrote about like Henry Ruggs coming in, how he fits in, all that. I took a look back and I was trying to figure out where this massive touchdown drop happened for Derek Carr and what might be being the cause of his just touchdown rate just plummeting the last couple seasons. And, you know, it's been more around 3.7, 3.8% combined over the last two years when it was up around five for a while. And the loss is pretty obvious. When he had Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree both on the field, he was throwing touchdowns at a 5% rate. When those guys left, they never really had capable replacements, especially multiple capable replacements. So his touchdown rate plummeted, even though he's been playing at times in other areas of his game. Now, understanding that depth of target is always going to be a thing for him. He's not going to be up there with those top guys or even in the middle class of that. But his touchdown rate should come back up this year. I like Tyra Williams coming back healthy. I love the addition of Henry Ruggs. We've talked about him being a vertical and horizontal field stretcher. You know, Darren Waller has now emerged as a true option for him at the tight end spot. Hunter Renfro had a really strong rookie season in the slot. So now he has a lot of these weapons around him that I think he can eke back up into that close to that 5% touchdown rate that, he's, that he had a few years ago. And all of a sudden, he's sitting around those mid-20s in the touchdowns, maybe gets to about 4,000 passing yards. Not a QB1, but as somebody that's going to be right in that contention there at the back part of that top 20, uh, where a lot of those guys, when you'll see my projections come out, pretty much 18 through 22 are like really bunched together. But I think he very much is worthy of being in that tier where he's going a few players below because he's got more weapons this year than he's had before. He's executed this offense well. And I am not buying into Marcus Mariota stealing his job, which I think is a big reason why his draft stock is so low. It's a big reason why Westgate Sportsbook came out with his over-under touchdowns at 17 for the season, uh, which I thought was ridiculous. Uh, I just – I don't see – I under and we had, a, we had a full breakdown on draftnetwork.com about Mariota's contract and what everything says and, you know, why it really doesn't indicate that he's getting this job anytime soon. I'm just not buying into it. I, I, I've never been a Mariota guy. If you've listened to this show for since in, its inception, I, I've talked about that. I think Derek Carr's executed the offense perfectly fine the last couple of years. He now has more weapons than he ever has before. And for a single QB league, I think he's going to be a solid matchup-based bi-week fill-in, you know, plug-and-play here and there. Uh, and somewhere around the mid to lower tier QB2 for Superflex leagues. Look, I, I agree with all that, Jamie. I got him at 18. And the biggest reason that you didn't mention is offensive line is good. They want yes. to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. That's going to allow him to play action off of it. You go back before he jacked his back up and got hurt a couple of years ago behind a really, really good offensive line. He was solid, man. And that was with Crabtree and Amari Cooper. I like the weapons that they have. I love the fact that he's got a dump off guy in Hunter Renfro or a guy that third and three, you can get something done with that guy in the slot, come out of your hands quick. Uh, I'd love to play action game with both of those guys with Williams and Ruggs. And I think the touchdown, I think the, the, the one thing I disagree with what you said is I think his yards per attempt could go up 
I think they're going to take more deep shots with that play action game, with that good offensive line. Uh, Mariota's not taking his job. Mariota was a smart signing for a really smart player that's a great human being that's going to fit in a quarterback room with another great human being in Derek Carr yeah. that are going to get along really well. And they did it because there is no threat to Mariota taking Derek Carr's job unless he gets hurt. 17 is nuts. He's over. Give me the over on that all day long. <laughs> the other thing is this Raiders secondary, which is really young and banged up last year, if they play better and stay healthy, this team has a chance to be eight and eight, 10 and six, along with everybody else in the AFC West. And it all goes through Carr. It's going to go through Josh Jacobs. They want to run the ball, but Carr's going to have to want to make the plays. You're talking about a really smart quarterback that's going to put him in the right play, that's going to run Gruden's offense. I mean, I just, I think he, I think he has a solid year. I got him at 18. I don't know how much of it really translates to like a big fantasy jump, but I, th- I agree with Jamie. I think that there's more touchdowns. I think there's more yards. I think they're going to run the crap out of it, but that allows a good quarterback that plays well in play action with deep threats. Look, you could take Williams over the top, bring rugs underneath on a, on a, you know, a deep in drag route, play action off of that, hit rugs. You don't have to just throw it deep. You know, he's going to hit rugs on some eight-yard slants like Tua did. He's allowed to take him to the house. All that is a huge benefit for Carr. I got him at 18. I like him. Yeah, I like I like where both of you are at with with Derek Carr, mostly because I don't have a lot of faith in Marcus Mariota being the starting quarterback at any point. It I just think doesn't set up for it too. Not football no, wise. Like people no. want to because he was a second overall pick and yada yada whatever. Oh, he's a great dude. Great look dude. At, look at the situation. It was a great guy to add to your room. They paid him a lot of money, especially after Jameis signed for what he signed for. But you added a great dude to another great dude. This like that quarterback room is solid. And that's a great thing to add. When you have that cohesiveness in that room, it's a big deal. I mean, Marcus doesn't have the personality that he's like trying to steal the locker room for Derek. And I, that's a great guy to add to a room. Just look at it rationally. Don't worry about his name and that you won't think Derek Carr is as good as he is. He's a, a very good player and has been his whole career. And minus the one year he played with a really, really bad offensive line. And they suck. That wasn't on him. Yeah, no, good teammate. You're adding a, a good good guy. Like you said, he's not going to come in. There's not going to be quarterback controversy. Mariota's probably just going to elevate Derek Carr's game. And that's that's the, really the only thing I think happens from this, and you can't bank on him being injured. I mean, I think that's – injury risk is injury risk. Derek Carr has some past injury issues, but I, I wouldn't bank on that going he into this broke. season. He got, he got broke. Injury yeah. risk. He got broken. Bro, yeah, like, for sure. No, that's a fact. Hell, that's yeah. like injury. Like every every quarterback has injury risk when you're talking about a defensive lineman breaking you in half. Yeah, no, for sure. It's almost like the the Rogers stuff that Jamie brought up, right? Where you're going, he's got collar. He's had collarbone injuries, right? Like it's not like he's missing for hamstring stuff here or there. It's no. constantly the same nagging little injury here or there. Not or, but to that point, I mean, when we talk about injury proneness and risk, a lot of times it, it, it's, we're talking about soft tissue stuff. We're talking about yes. the things that indicate that there's a higher propensity to get that, to re-injure that same body part in the future. That's usually what we're talking about. I mean, sometimes you're going to just get, you know, get your doors blown off and you're going to get hurt because it's a physical sport and somebody hits a 300 pounder just absolutely sandwiches you. That doesn't make you injury prone. But if you're, no. if you're dealing with the same types of injuries year after year after year, that's when we kind of have that label. Or sometimes when you're just injured every single year for really no good reason. Uh, yeah, with happens, quarterbacks, so. you're talking about an ACL, concussions, collarbone, yeah. recently back. None of that's their fault. That is, none of that makes you injury prone. 
I mean, that's no. like he's going to play through a sprained ankle. He'd probably play through a separated shoulder if it's his left one. He's a tough dude. He's a professional. Yeah, he's a very tough dude. That's what makes dude. the Mariota signing smart, in my opinion. If he does get a concussion, he misses a week or two. You have a more than adequate backup to fill in that's going to fit in exactly, and he's going to go right back to his position when Derek Carr comes back from that. Yep, I totally, totally agree. All right, we're m- making our way towards the top of this list. We'll go to the next guy here. Number 18, Mr. Rivers, Philip Rivers. So, uh, obviously, last year, disappointing year for him with the Chargers. Disappointing for the team, disappointing for him. New spot, landing in Indianapolis. Uh, when you talk about what the difference is for him this year, the offensive line could not be more polar opposite in front of him this year than it was last year. Uh, Jake, I'll go to you first here. So Jamie has an 18. Where do you have Rivers ranked as of right now? I got him at 15. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why I like his weapons. I love the offensive line. I love the familiarity with the head coach and the play calling that's going to come. I love the fact that Peyton Manning set up Indianapolis to be the greatest home field advantage you could ever have by playing quarterback that wants to change the play at the line of scrimmage, which Phillip is going to do 90% of the time. Maybe not change it but be able to audit, but set something up, talk to your guy. It is whisper quiet in Lucas Oil Stadium, and it is phenomenal. He's going to take advantage of that. But this offensive line, who wants to run the ball, and they got multiple guys to do that now. I love Naheem Hines as a guy filling in like Eckler. I just, to me, if the defense stays healthy, I'm on record a million times saying that front seven stingy. Their secondary has been banged up, but they got some really good young players that they're going to get back back there. I think Indy could be really solid, and I, I think he's in the best situation he's been in a long time to succeed because the more that they run it, the better that is for him. Yeah, I, I agree. It's weird. I was surprised how low he came in. I think part of it is obviously you're getting nothing on the ground uh, from him because actually when you see the projections that come out, like his actual passing projection numbers are, are very high. They're just because of the way, because he's not going to rush a lot, uh, because of the you have to bake in some turnover risk. Uh, for him still uh, so he kind of falls into this middle class of the of the top part of the QB2 range but uh, you know I, I agree with everything Jake said I love the offensive line upgrade is massive I mean again going from one of the five worst to one of the five best is a tremendous change for him uh, T.Y. Hilton I think is and we're going to talk about him on the receiver show people are sleeping on T.Y. Hilton I mean I know Jake's been riding the train of like T.Y. Hilton's being underrated in the fantasy community for years now I am I'm fully on board that train again this year, but we'll talk about him on the receiver show, but he's got weapons. Uh, he's got some pieces. Jack Doyle's going to be a very solid, reliable player for him. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be able to make an impact right away. Uh, I, I love, I love his game. Uh, I know the comparisons are being made. He can be the, the Mike Williams ish of what they want to do in that offense. I lo- love to see what Paris Campbell could do in the slot this year. He's a guy that it was very highly touted and people kind of forgot about him. It's amazing how quickly we forget about young players if they don't immediately pop right away. Uh, their careers aren't over after in one a place or two years. like in the Indiana where they're not, you know, the media is not, be, you just named a damn good offense before we say. get to yeah. Mack and Taylor and, yeah. and Taylor Hines, Hines. all playing behind that phenomenal offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, they, and they got some other guys too. So it, it's, I like him. I think he's really solid. I think that's, he's one of those guys that you, you don't take as your QB one, but he's somebody that's always on the top of your list when you're looking, whether your quarterback gets hurt or you're in a bye week or something, because any given week he can win you a week. Because uh, he, but but uh, I don't. I'm like, I have nothing bad to say about him. I just like if you see my projections, they're they're really strong. Just the the turnover potential and the fact that he's going to give you absolutely nothing on the ground kind of keeps him in this 
in the teens range here where he doesn't have some of the upside, some of the other guys. But uh, again, another reason to, especially in two QB leagues, he's definitely somebody that I, I would take, especially if you have more of a, more of a risky player, like the guy we might, we might talk about next, where we don't quite have, we don't have a book on them yet in the NFL. Or if you're dealing with a player like our Ben Roethlisberger, we're talking about a little bit that has at least some injury concern. I think you have to at least put that there at his age that you say, okay, I'm going to take Rivers as my, make an effort to take a guy like Rivers as my QB two because I know he is solid. He's going to be there every single week for me, and he's not going to lose me any weeks. I think the, the next guy we're going to talk about, Jamie, you've got 17, 18, 19, and 20, and the difference in the overall projection score-wise is very, very small, right? It's, it's not a huge difference. Uh, between those guys here at the back half of the tier. And the risky person you were talking about, I assume, is number 17, and that's Joe Burrow. Obviously, coming in as a rookie, there's a lot of risk associated with that. But when I look at your projections, I find the most interesting part, the rushing yards and the touchdowns. And I think that's, that's where you talk about Phillip Rivers and you're going, okay, this is going to be the significant difference between what you can get from potentially a Joe Burrow versus a Phillip Rivers. And, oh, by the way, Joe Burrow has quite a few nice little weapons there in Cincinnati as well, Jamie. Yeah, because, look, if, if you're looking at the difference, um, there's like a 38 fantasy point difference if you include fumbles as like a rushing stat versus just, you know, in the pocket. But let's just include that. There's a 38-point difference that Joe Burrow, in my mind, in my projection, has an advantage over Phillip Rivers. So on a per-pass standpoint, Phil Rivers would be way up on this list, but because of that, that rushing uh, aspect of it. Uh, look, the, the risk with Joe Burrows is that we haven't seen him in the NFL yet, and there's always a level of risk when we don't know what the player's going to be in the NFL. That offensive line is garbage, so there's, there's a risk that, you know, I don't imagine he's a player given his profile that's going to get overwhelmed too easily, um, but it can happen when you get a lot of pressure in your face constantly all the time and no break, nowhere to breathe. But... On the flip side, he has a lot of weapons on this team. You know, A.J. Green coming back, at least healthy for now. Uh, Tyler Boyd, who's really emerged. John Ross, T. Higgins. Um, you know, C.J. Ozoma is a pretty solid tight end option for him. Joe Mixon out of the backfield with Gio Bernard. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons around him, and I think he's going to scramble around a little bit as well, sometimes out of necessity, just to run for his life a little bit, getting out of the pocket. But I think he's going to put up pretty solid numbers this year. Um, not quite QB1 numbers, but I think he's going to be a player that uh, I'd be very interested in, especially in best ball leagues, uh, as a throw on my bench, because I think he's going to have some really huge games. They're going to have to throw a lot late, because I don't imagine the Bengals are going to be leading too many teams uh, late in f- football games, particularly in that division. So there's a lot of options there for him. That's where things get interesting. I think on a week to, on certain weeks, you're going to see him – Maybe a little bit like Daniel Jones last year in the sense that you're going to, there are going to be a handful of weeks where he's ranked in the top eight, top five. But there's also going to be a handful of weeks where you're like, uh, he's going to be in the single-digit points, which is kind of what leans him here at number 17 for me. So not somebody you feel comfortable starting on a week-to-week basis, but absolutely one of the top guys I want to look for. If, I, if there's an early season or preseason quarterback injury or I'm looking for a bi-week fill-in and he's got a solid matchup, I, I want to pull the trigger on him. Yeah, I, I like all that. I got him at 20. I like all the positives that you said. I like the weapons. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the head coach's experience. Zach Taylor had one year calling plays. Now he's got a, a rookie quarterback with this weird offseason doing Zoom. While I think Burrow can handle that, you're still not getting reps. You're not getting reps with these guys. Uh, he's a rookie. The defense sucks. They're going to have to throw it a ton late. I mean, I think they're going to go from the first pick to the third pick. I, they're not winning more than four or five games. I like all the positives. I love the weapons. I think they're going to throw it a ton. I think there's going to be a lot of mistakes. 
Uh, I don't know that I agree with Philip Rivers being a high turnover risk. I think that's too much of a recency thing. If you go back, he wasn't a huge turnover guy. Uh, he will have a fumble, hold it in the pocket a little bit too long, that kind of stuff. But I think Burrow has a lot more risk when it comes to that. I think he's going to put up some numbers. And the one thing I don't like about fantasy is you get, I'm on the record of saying this, quarterbacks get way too much credit when they do run, even if it's just a little bit. So I can see why you have the projection them different. I just, to me, I put him at 20 because I think there are numbers there. But depending on your league, he scares the crap out of me turnover-wise. You go back and watch his stuff at LSU, yes, he made some stuff happen playing Alabama. He got out of the pocket and made some throws. He was throwing to two, two or three first-round receivers, a star tight end in front of a bunch of five-star first-round pick offensive linemen. He's not playing in front of that now. While you got weapons, it's, it's all faster in the NFL. I, I just see a lot of mistakes coming out of him. Yeah, Liz, it's more risk, right? More risk coming in with a rookie, um, even as NFL-ready as uh, some people think he is. Uh, it's one of the terminologies that I think gets thrown around too often, um, that you, a quarterback is NFL-ready. I've seen Jordan Reed go, out, go yeah. out, out on that. Yeah, now quarterback-ready, I mean, he's NFL-ready, as you're going to yeah. get. I love Jamie's knowledge of different types of fantasy, though. When he was talking about having a guy that you play in a certain situation, I loved all that, what he said. I agree wholeheartedly. I just, in a regular format where you're getting killed by turnovers, I, I think it's going to bite you in the ass. For sure. I think the, the best way that Jamie described it, which I totally agree with, is a lot like what Daniel Jones was last year, where there, it's going to be very – Yo, it's going to be a lot of roller coaster, right? Yeah. There's going to be probably five or six weeks where he could end up being a QB one. And there's going to be five or six weeks where he's at the bottom five tier scoring single digits, right? I and think that's I put him ahead polarizing. of Dan. It's very good, very good comparison. But I think I put him ahead of that. He has better. Yeah, I think he's better. Yeah. Jones yeah. had most of last year because if these guys stay healthy, but the offensive line situation is very similar, mm -hmm. right? Which it's. And and the coaching staff stuff is yeah. part of it. As much as as much as uh, love to be a homer for my Huskers, uh, Zach Taylor was uh, a product of the environment of that off season. Where if you sniffed Sean McVay, you could have gotten a head coaching job. And it was and, Cincinnati, right? Everybody knows the weird stuff you got to deal with as a head yes. coach. There are not a lot of guys wanted. He wanted to be a head coach. They wanted a young guy that they keep for a while and grow with. And it was the Sean McVay thing. I don't have a problem with Zach Taylor. I have a problem with he's going to have an offensive game plan for a rookie with these weapons this offseason. When I mean, that doesn't work in September, how on the fly with this coaching staff can they change what they put in with this rookie and have everybody on the same page when you get to October? Because I don't see them winning a lot of games. And coaches don't like not winning games. That's my thing with it. Like, he's a young play caller with now a rookie quarterback with these weapons. And if you're going through an off season, you're like, dude, I got the number one pick. I got Joe Burrow. I got, you're going to think you're going to have success offensively. Coaches can talk themselves into a lot of crap. The good ones can take what they talk themselves into and go, Oh man, that did not work. What, <laughs> what, what are we going to do now? Like they're sitting in there. Like, that's what Mondays yeah. and Tuesdays in the NFL are. What do we do good? What do we do bad? What can we change this week? Absolutely. I don't know what that, there's a, there's a big unknown for me with that. It's more of that, really, than it is Burrow and the weapons and that kind of stuff. Because I think he could be better than Daniel Jones last year. Yeah, I, I think I would, I would lean that way as well. The next guy we're going to talk about here, I'm, I'm really excited to see where Jake has him ranked. Because I know that Carson Wentz is 
uh, number numero uno uh, for Jake, other than Tom Brady, obviously. Um, and then and then there's another quarterback who he knows very well that is coming off of an injury and he's coming back to a team that, man, really played hard last year and almost got themselves into a playoff position with what was abysmal quarterback play, okay? And, and tons of injuries. So we're talking about Big Ben. And Jamie has him 12. So that's if you're in a 12-team league, obviously, QB1 status, right? Um, and, and there's a lot of excitement about him, but also kind of feels like he's flying under the radar, him slash the whole team. Jake, where do you have Ben coming into this season? Well, first of all, numero uno is Patrick Mahomes. Period. End of story. Okay. I mean, in your heart. I mean, in your heart. In my okay. heart, Patrick Mahomes is still number one. <laughs> my heart, my head, my everything. Okay. Oh, Brady and Wentz are up there. Uh, I got Ben at eight. Uh, I think Ben could be right there with Patrick Mahomes leading the NFL in passing next year. They're not going to run it great. Randy Fickner is still the offensive coordinator. His relationship with Ben. I love the leadership stuff I'm seeing out of Ben. I mean, all the stuff that's come out in the news and Ryan Clark did a phenomenal job yesterday of talking about that and not talking about the person, but what the guts that it takes to come out and say some of this stuff, how much he's grown up with this young team and guys like Juju that have his back. And yes, it's the Steelers and people think they're going to run it with James Conner and he looks great working out in the off season. Uh, I don't see all that. I see weapons. I see Ben who knows this offense inside and out behind a really good offensive line with a really good defense for the first time in a while. And I, I see him getting back to, I know how hurt he was. Like this elbow has been bothering him for a while. It's healthier than it's been in three or four years. He's in better shape than he's been in three or four years. He's motivated to a guy who was talking about retiring, not because of any other reason other than hey, I'm kind of tired of playing football and getting beat up and I'm going to spend time with my family. I don't think that's there anymore. I think it's, I got another shot to go win a Super Bowl. I got another chance to even on top of cement my legacy of where it's been in the past. And I like the weapons. I think Juju has a big bounce back here. I love Vance McDonald if he can stay healthy. Eric Ebron in this offense is going to be a matchup nightmare. Deontay Johnson is coming on strong. Jalen Samuels out of the backfield is going to be a freak with Ben. His relationship, go back to Le'Veon Bell's catching ability on dump offs and different stuff. And yes, there is an injury risk. But I know this dude personally, and I know the stuff he's played through in the past that he'll play through now. You're going to have to break him in half like we were talking about Derek Carr, but nobody's really been able to do that yet. There's, a, a, there's always a play with Ben that stands out in my mind when we talk about injury risk. Haloti Nada, in a giant hand, put his nose on the side of his face on Monday Night Football in Baltimore one year. Ben went over. They put it back in place. He came back in and brought them from behind to win the game. And to me, you talk about the story of Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. That was the night that he became his team. Because he was always the accent to the Steelers' run game, defense, whatever. And he already won a Super Bowl at that point. But to me, he became then, and all about him. He's the leader of this team. He's become the leader of this team. They're going to welcome him back after the quarterback play they got last year with beyond open arms. And I think that ridiculous fan base might be okay with not winning 9-6 to six and running it 72 times in a game for the first time in a long time. Yeah, and, and like so, the start of the analysis on Roethlisberger, if you're going to draft him in your fantasy league, is is what amount of games played you're comfortable with. Uh, for this, for my projections, I had him at 14 games, which is why he's at number 12. You know, if I, I projected him over 16 games, uh, his stats would have been literally right there with where where I had Tom Brady, who who was eighth on mine. So, 
Uh, and, and by the way, on a yards per game standpoint, comparable to Patrick Mahomes is where my projection has him for this year. So even at 14 games, you're getting a QB1. And if you think you're getting 16 games, you're getting a top eight quarterback. And he's right now going, you know, a lot of times I've seen him going outside the top 13, outside top 14. People are running away. I agree with Jake about pretty much everything he said, but I want to harp on the weapons. You know, Juju's going to come back and he's going to have a much better season. Deontay Johnson and James Washington are far better players now than they were when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt week two of last season. You have Eric Ebron as a true awesome red zone threat for them that can, can play out of the slot inside the 20 uh, as needed. You have Vance McDonald. You have Samuels, as he said, out of the backfield. So you have a lot of different options on this team. Ben Bang has a lot of weapons now. He has, yes, Antonio Brown's not there. He's not walking through that door. But there's now more quantity of weapons around that Steelers team than there was a couple of years ago. And again, I understand he got hurt and, didn't, and was playing with terrible quarterback play. But Juju Smith-Schuster isn't a bad player all of a sudden. I, I just I played people have to have injury a, all year. Yeah, and by the way, I had a knee and a concussion at the yeah. same time, and that that got yeah. swept over because Miles Garrett was trying to take somebody's head off, take Mason Rudolph's <laughs> head off with with a helmet. But people forget Juju got a concussion and a knee injury in that game, and just and so. And by the way, his numbers weren't terrible those first few weeks, even with that other bad quarterback play. Things kind of went downhill later in the season, so we, we got to expand our memory beyond one year and what happened, and kind of look at the take a step back and look at the big picture here. And which is a big reason why we've been saying all offseason how high we are on the Pittsburgh Steelers as a team and why you should be high on them for fantasy as well. I have 14 games. That's like all I need out of Ben to be a QB1. Uh, if you think you're going to get more than that, then he's coming at an absolutely – he's going at a good value at that. He's going at a tremendous value if he plays 16 games. Yeah, I – Every snap of the season and absolutely lighten it up. You can give me all the shares you want of that. I mean, if you're pairing him with Matt Ryan – Somebody that's, you know, playing great. Carson Wentz, I'm, I'd take them both. I don't know if they're going to both be hurt at the same time. Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger. Like, that whole 8 through yeah. 12 that we talked about yesterday or the other day, I got Ben at the top of that. I got him ahead of Kyler Murray. I don't think there's a ton of risk here. To me, it's one of the safer upside plays that we can get in fantasy. I mean, you're going to want somebody else on your bench because the more we've talked about this, we all agree that you're going to want two quarterbacks this year. He's damn sure one that I want. I hope nobody from my yeah, I hope nobody from my high school league is listening because this is the this is like the thing that we're talking about that I feel like is it's just the the doubt that there is in existence for this football team in particular is so stupid to me considering what you saw this team do last year with just horrific quarterback play and so many injuries on that offense so if Ben has that defense okay that they had last year plays plays at that level with all those weapons healthy with oh by the way kind of a chip on his shoulder because there's something to prove here I really like I like this team I like the overall especially considering everybody in that just in that division specifically it's all about Lamar and the Ravens and the and the controversy with the Browns Baker and it's kind of just Baker and Burrow and it's kind of just like Pittsburgh's just kind of sitting there right and and that's that's scary if you're a fan of any of the other teams because Ben owns that division <laughs> and and I don't I don't I don't envision that that's going to change this year so I'm He's going to be rostered on at least one of my leagues. I know that for a fact because I, I'm very excited for him coming into this year. I mean, there's, there's like some guys I'm going to have asterisk as the drafts are going by of like, okay, I can keep waiting. I can keep waiting. Wentz is still there. 
Roethlisberger's still there. Rodgers is still there. Like they're, those are all safe upside guys to me. That You're like sitting there, okay, round eight went by. Round nine went by. I still haven't taken a quarterback. This is awesome. I got all three of my guys. There, there's going to be three or four of those guys that I'm looking at going, Matt Ryan's another one that I, I don't think people are going to overdraft. I think Tom Brady's going to over, overdraft it like crazy. Yeah. But all those guys still sitting there late, man, sign me up for that. But Ben's the top of that list. Yeah, lots of it should be lots of excitement about Big Ben. So uh, hopefully none of the people in my high school league are listening to the podcast. All right, moving on. Number six, we're getting into the top 10 here. We got four guys, lots of excitement about these guys. I'm quite sure you can guess all of them. And uh, I think you know who the one and two are, but we're going to start with six here for Jamie. That's Josh Allen, right? So Buffalo Bills take a step forward again last year. Uh, and now the Patriots are no longer in this division. Uh, will Josh Allen take another step forward this year and, and progress? Jamie, what do you see happening from him this year, and why do you have him uh, you know, inside your top ten? So clearly I like him enough because he's at six. But I, I want I, – I've seen – the reactions to Josh Allen be all over the place where some people think he's the QB three. Some people think he's the barely inside the top 10. Here's what I'll say about Josh Allen is that when you, when you rush at the volume and particularly the rushing touchdown volume that he's had last year in particular, it doesn't leave you much room for fantasy growth. Like I have, like you'll see where I haven't projected, but if you look at his touchdown totals, just strictly his rushing stats, he's not going to be able to best that. Those numbers are, are, are hard to even repeat. So you have to understand how that limits your fantasy upside a bit. I know he's got Stephon Diggs there, and I know he's got some weapons. I, I like the combination of Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley, but I also don't have him throwing 500 passes this year, just the way that offense is structured, the way that they've, what they've asked him to do. So you're gonna, his upside is going to be a little bit more limited, even though he got a shiny new toy to play with in Stephon Diggs. So I like him, but I don't think he's got the upside that a lot of people do to think he breaks into the Mahomes, Lamar, Dak, Russell Wilson category. And where I, where he's been ranked in a lot alongside some of those guys. I, I don't see him having that sort of upside because I don't see how he could possibly best a lot of the rushing numbers that he's been able to put up, which is again, same thing I talked about with Kyler Murray on our show in the on our NRC show earlier this week. You might see some progression as an actual football player, but in terms of fantasy point production, you have to look at what they did on the ground and know that that is such a huge effect on quarterback points, maybe overpowered. And maybe that's something we'll have to talk about uh, as a fantasy community somewhere down the road of how we kind of level this back out a little bit. So players that are more strict passers don't get, you know, get shoved down the board as much for players that are lesser throwers, but run around more or figure out how we can make that even. There's a lot to be done with the quarterback position in fantasy in general uh, to talk about how we can make some, make it more valuable in general, but Anyway, I, I digress to say to this point is he's limited in the fact that he's not going to throw the ball more than 500 times. He's already got a high volume of rushing touchdowns and are already projecting him to stay at a fairly high volume. This is kind of where he falls for me. He's the middle of the QB one tier. And I don't think he's got top three quarterback upside like a lot of fantasy analysts do. I got him at 10. I couldn't agree with everything you said more other than I'm going to throw in some other rational football thoughts here. His coach doesn't want him to run that much. They had the Patriots beat. He got knocked out early last year. They don't want him running as much as he did last year. He's a big, strong dude that loves to take off. That's competitive, but they are going to coach that out of him as much as they can because they want him on the field. 
They want him. They gave him weapons, so he has progression in the passing game. Made huge progression from year one to year two. I think he's going to be right there, what you're talking about, right at you know, 500, a little bit over that passing. I think they're going to try to throw it more. I think they're going to try to run it more. I like – I think they're going to – you know, there's going to be some misdirection stuff. This is not because it's Sean McDermott and Ron Rivera. This is not Cam Newton running this offense. A much better passer than that. Yes, he runs the same. He's a big dude the same. But that's not what they want. They do not want him to do that. So I, I agree with Jamie wholeheartedly. I don't think the rushing numbers are going to be the same. I don't think the rushing touchdowns are going to be the same. They want him on the field. And we were talking about we need to bring this back to earth because the guys that run are higher on the board than the guys that pass. That just brings in more risk. All those guys that run, you go back to any of them through the history of the NFL, they get hurt at some point. Of course. And if you take one of those guys that high, it gets hurt. What does that do to your season? You're shot. There's, there's definitely a discussion to be had, and maybe it's something that we do when we get through all these rankings about certain fixes to the fantasy community that we'd like to see. Uh, and I am in total agreement. I think there's, there's definitely, especially when I'm looking at this list and I'm going, yeah, okay, well, you're going to throw for, you know, potentially 1,500 less yards and, but you're going to have 500 rushing yards. So you're going to have this. I mean, there's just, there's a skew that happens because of these guys, uh, especially the top five guys and, and what they do with their legs. Um, but I mean, it's, it's the current system. It's the way most rankings have people. Um, and we'll have to fix that for another day. Uh, I love I, the I, bills. I think the bills are going to be I love the bills. Oh, I love the bills of, too. Because of that. And because I'm really a big fan of Sean McDermott and the Ron, Rare, Ron Rivera, the way that they coach is complimentary football. I don't think they're, they're, they want to control the clock. They, they want to take their shots. I think he's going to be a better quarterback and they're going to a lot of games, but I think he's going to be a far less uh, fantasy quarterback because of all that. I think he's going to be more consistent. But I, I think that's why I got him down at 10. I, I cannot put him that, that high. That's too risky to put him that high for me. Well, if he takes that step forward and he is doing that, that is going to take away some of those rushing yards because a lot of that stuff happens because he's not making the right play or he is in a broken down play running around and he is big. But what do we see happening Cam Newton, right? It's always in the back of your mind. So Jake brings up good points about – and Jamie too because I've seen a lot of the fantasy community with him in the top three. So six and ten for Josh Allen coming in at number five. Another guy who runs around and does spectacular things that make you question everything that's going on in the football space, and that is Mr. Watson, Deshaun Watson, uh, who is now without his number one wide receiver. Now, as I've argued with many Texans fans on social media who are delusional, uh, they like their version of what they have now, which is to say that they've been brainwashed because they have a bunch of guys as wide receivers who get hurt a lot. And none of them are, are Newt Hopkins. Let me be very clear. Um, yes, there is stuff to like there. Yes, David Johnson's there now. Yes, Deshaun Washington, Watson is special. But that is why, Jamie, I assume you have him at five and not in one, two, or three, because he's playing behind a worse offensive line and doesn't have – one, his two, number three. one guy. Yeah. His number, number one guy anymore. So I'm going to defend this ranking because Jake's going to have him down like 20 spots lower. So let me, let me kind of defend <laughs> myself here first. Not that um, far, but a whole lot lower. 
Uh, so I, 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 one, my projection is based on him playing 16 games. So if, if you think he's going to miss some time, then obviously you have to bump him down. Uh, I, I essentially try, and I'm not pretending that I can adequately and properly in, in a projection format quantify exactly what, this, what the loss of DeAndre Hopkins means. Uh, obviously it's massive. Um, essentially what ended up working out to, I didn't do it this way, but when I looked at it in the end, essentially worked out to him repeating his numbers from last year, except uh, repeating his numbers from last year of like 14 or 14 and a half games, just over 16 games. So we basically lost a game and a half of full production. And maybe that's not enough. And if you think that's not enough, then you'll have to drop, drop him a little bit lower. Uh, I don't have him getting to 4,000 yards. I don't have him anywhere, but I don't have him anywhere above the, the mid twenties for touchdowns. Uh, but I do think he's still gonna he's still gonna run the ball a little bit. I still think he's gonna he's gonna rush a little bit more this year, probably out of necessity as well. Um, I still think he's gonna throw enough to still be a quality option. And again, when you're rushing for probably 500 yards and five or six rushing touchdowns, it really helps keep your floor pretty high in fantasy. Uh, even if you're not gonna be the same passer as you were before because you don't have a reliable option, he's got a bunch of guys. I mean, that's, that's the best I could say. He's got Fuller can be really good, but I, I think I have Fuller projected to play 11 games this year. And that's about as much, as much as I feel confident saying, uh, Kenny Stills is a guy. Randall Cobb is a guy. Brandon cooks, if he's healthy, could be something, but like, if he's healthy, David Johnson, if he's healthy, I mean, you, you just have like all of these pieces that you kind of hope at some point that a couple of them are at least healthy enough at the same time for, for him to throw to. Uh, but to me, it's really just his, his high rush, his fairly high rushing total boosts him up a bit. I still think he's going to have a decent passing season, but I basically think you're going to get, you know, 14 games worth of what you were getting before just over a 16 game span, which is why he's nowhere near the, the top for me. And there's, there's obviously a, a clear line after the top two regardless, and there should be no discussion of inside of what that top two is aside of what order you put them in. Uh, but to me, you know, I've gone back and forth about it. Like I, I, he's not going to be on any of my teams, but I have a hard time ranking him this any lower than this. Man, you just did a hell of a sales job for me to put him at 12. Because what you just described is not number five on this list. Their offensive line is miraculous, going to be okay. No, they suck. David Johnson is going to be a superstar running back, and they're going to run it a whole lot more. So he's going to – no, he's going to catch it a lot. Fuller was great with Hopkins on the other side because you could never double him. Stills was an okay third option at that point. Cooks, I don't know that he ever should play again. I think you could blow on him at this point, and he's going to get a headache, as he should, because he went through, what, four concussions in the last yeah. couple of years? Two back-to-back yeah. last year? Yeah. Watson is not a great runner. He moves around at a phenomenal pace like Russell Wilson to throw the ball, but he gets hurt when he does that. He's a small dude. He's not 6'4". He's not Josh Allen. He's not huge, but he's like 6'1", 210. He had an ACL in college. He's going to get broke up if he wants to play like that one of the five is insanely risky to me. I've got him at 12 at the bottom of my QB ones only because I don't think they're going to be very good. And they're going to have to throw late to make up some garbage yards where he might run around and make some stuff happen then. But who is he going to when the chips are on the table? Because everybody knew before where it was going and it still made it happen. He misses a lot of wide open guys. There's still questions on how well he reads the field because he went to nuke a lot and it made it and it worked out. You go back to his rookie year when he just lit it up and he's throwing it up to Fuller and it, it just all happened. He has, I agree with Dabo. He has some Ma Michael Jordan-esque qualities. Or he just has some magic, right? 
that Russell Wilson magic we were talking about, but it's not enough for me to put him any higher than 12. This team's not going to be very good. They're going to be coming from behind is the only reason I'm giving him some junk fantasy yards where I talked about David Johnson last year when he was good in the early in the season because the Cardinals weren't winning. He was catching touchdowns late. He was catching, they were in two minute drill and he catches three or four passes late. I think you're going to get a lot of that. It's the only reason I got him in my QB one range. Ooh, that's a big discrepancy, five and 12. And I have a feeling that Jake is probably in the fantasy community, probably one of the lower, um, evaluators on this as far as just where he's coming in. But I think, I think there's probably a good chance he ends up halfway between where both you guys have him. I think there's a really good chance. Where did you have Carson Wentz, Jamie? 13? 13, yeah. Yeah. I got Carson Wentz 5 and I got Deshaun Watson 12. Of those two, which one do you want on your team? At their ADP or at just in general? No, period. No, I'll still take Watson this year. I'll still take my chance on Watson this year in fantasy, yeah. Alrighty. I know. I know. I love it. I love it. You got Watson playing 16 games, Ben playing 14. Yeah. All right. That, 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 that's, that's, I mean, that's the crux of this debate. I mean, yeah, it I really is, is, is how many games and how much, how big of the deduction you're taking out of from, from Hopkins being gone. And how yeah. a quarterback running skews all of this. It makes no yeah. sense. It you does. Said so. He's not going to be as good of a passer. Not going to throw it as much. Not going to throw for as many yards. He's going to run a little bit more. And he's the t- he's the five yeah. quarterback. Yeah. But look at look at insane he, with all that risk. You don't have you're also not factoring in as you're thinking about the rushing yards, the rushing touchdowns. That's a big factor for he him. He doesn't take well. it to the house from twenty five yards out. He'll, not no, but he doesn't want to roll out. But, he, the but they they use him they use him in the red zone a lot. I mean, I, I would have. How many first. shots did he take last year in the red zone trying to? Make oh, I'm, I'm in agreement oh, yeah. with you. I'm just playing devil. I'm playing devil's advocate because I'm looking at him, going, I remember there's he's going to get in the end zone probably half a dozen times. Like that. That's maybe that's, the, that's assuming that they get inside the five a lot. That too. That's the also true. Is taking a big step back. I'm telling you. All right, I like it. I, I think this is a this is the most he to me when I look at this list is the most polarizing because of how hard it is to evaluate what this offense is going to look like without DeAndre Hopkins. Cause we've only ever seen him with him and it's, it's very hard. And there's also, he has whatever factor you want to call it. I hate calling it a Michael Jordan factor because bro hasn't won anything in the NFL yet to, to justify that. Um, but I guess why Dad, I changed it to Russell Wilson magic is esque. He yeah. has, he has yes. that. He has an it factor. He had an it factor. This isn't a knock on the player. I'm going to say that now. I like the player. No, the organization's the, stupid. The situation and yeah. what he's found himself yeah. in does not indicate him having a monster year for me. So the one thing that I will point out, and again, this margin isn't nothing, but I think it's worth pointing out in the context of what we're going to talk about, especially as we start talking about the top two guys on this list. Right now, my project, on a per-game basis, my projected difference between Watson at five and all of the players down to Carson Wentz at 13 is at most 1.6 points a week. <laughs> That's, and it's not nothing. I'm not saying, no, it's, but I'm it's, not saying that's nothing. But I, no, but, but it's I'm not a lot. Is, I mean, like, cause if, if, I, if I move like Roethlisberger's numbers up to a full season, I have him right there at seven or eight. Carson Wentz is in that same run. So they're all in this, like, they're all kind of jammed together. And this is where this debate's important because if you're on Jake's side of the debate, then this is the perfect reason why you don't spend the ADP on Deshaun Watson. You sit back and you wait for one of these other guys. Or let's say, well, man, I, you know, I know what Jake's saying, but I don't, I don't trust that, you know, I don't, just don't trust Carson Wentz's health or whatever it might be. 
This is where you have to make these determinations for yourself in this grouping. Because I don't think there's going to be a tremendous difference. There's obviously a much bigger difference between the top two guys and everybody else. But there's not a tremendous difference right here. And this is where you have to kind of go use your own analysis and use your own research and say, okay, where do I feel most comfortable? And then look at the ADPs and say, where do I feel most comfortable value-wise now? And start, to, and start to like cross guys off and go, yeah, I like this guy, but I'm not going to take him at this pick. So I'm going to wait Risk and take a guy I like value. a little bit less. Absolutely. Risk versus value. And he, this is probably the riskiest guy on this list to me. Because, yes, he could finish at five. I just don't think he's playing a full season. And if he's playing through injuries, now he can't run around the same way that he was. Those numbers come back down, and he's, he's back towards the bottom of QB1 territory. I think, I think this the, the, what I've landed here on is because of the small difference that Jamie just talked about, that small point difference, we really all agree because at the end of the day, we're telling you not to draft any of these guys up in the top five and to draft somebody between the eight to 12 range because if you're talking about where you're going to draft these guys, 1.6 between these guys is not going to move. And you're going to have five rounds of difference between some of these dudes that we're talking about. And that's going to matter for you and all the players that you're going to have a higher value on. And to put that even to more pers- in perspective, based on my, again, you'll see all my projections and projected point totals when they drop next week on the draftnetwork.com next Tuesday for the quarterbacks. But there's the same difference to me, the drop-off between Mahomes and Lamar to number three, which we talked about Dak or, or Russell Wilson. That's the same drop-off as a drop-off between Watson and Wentz at 13 for me. Like, we're talking about that big of a difference. And that's eight so, dudes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. Like, I, mean, that, I mean, so it, it's if there, and, and we'll, just, we'll talk about it because we're about to go into it. There's an argument. I don't think I'm going to be one to have the stomach for it just because of the players that I tend to like. There's an argument to be made if you want to grab one of these top guys. I think where people get the top, top guys, you get in trouble when you try to get to the top of these tier two and tier three guys where you're overpaying to not get a lot more value. I understand why you want to pay up for Lamar. I understand why you want to pay up for Mahomes. And there's an argument to be made at a certain value point where that makes complete sense. Don't overpay for the guys right underneath them because there isn't a huge difference. Wait for someone to fall. And sometimes you might get a top guy to fall. You know, you might get a Dak or or Russell Wilson to fall. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen sometimes. Maybe you're – uh, you know, we're out in Arizona. Maybe you're in a league with a bunch of Seahawks haters and nobody wants to draft Russell Wilson. And all of a sudden he's dropping into that QB eight, QB nine, QB 10. Sure. By all means. But to me, it's just more of the argument of there's not a lot of difference between the, the, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth best quarterbacks and eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And if you, and if you project health for, for Wentz and Roethlisberger, they're top 10 guys too. So I, it's, I, I there's just to a take lot that of good even options farther, there. like golf, Stafford rivers. 13, yeah. 14, 15 on my list. It just, that is way too risky. There's even, even in your sales pitch for number five, you said if like nine times. Yeah. I, my risk versus value went, ooh, hell no, I'm good. That is way too many ifs. That's too much risk. And I've still seen Watson. I've seen, I saw a list this morning that I was looking at that had him over Lamar Jackson. I had Patrick Mahomes one. Hell and no. Yeah, that's – I'm just telling you where the rest of the community sits. It's Jamie's probably no – Jamie's, Jamie's low, you're way low. And I, I think that's the – Good. The, Let them all the mess- pop him up and then everybody yep. we play against can take him in the fourth round. Yep, I totally agree. All right, let's get to the top two here. I think you guys know what uh, names are going to be talked about here. You're splitting hairs, right, when you're talking about these two guys. But 
there is a difference and they, they play differently. Uh, they bring different things to the table. Um, and number two overall for Jamie is Mr. Lamar Jackson. So Jake, I'm going to let you go here because I want to know where you have these two. And I'm envisioning that you have them ranked exactly like Jamie does. I do. I do. I have Mahomes one, Jackson two. And we're talking about quarterbacks and fantasy. Lamar Jackson runs different than everybody that's ever played the game of football, including yes. Michael Vick. Okay. You can defend them differently. People are going to, they're going to try. Right. And he lost a weapon in Hayden Hurst. They added some other guys here and there. He's got to become a better thrower, which I think he's very capable of doing, but it doesn't matter how you defend them. The way that he runs the ball, and he doesn't take a lot of hits. The one that he's like the one he's, he's going to get hit. Eventually he's maybe going to tweak an ankle. Eventually he's going to dive over a jet ski and catch his foot on a handlebar and break a toe that might slow him down. Other than that, the way the rules are right now in fantasy, he's going to run. He's going to have a bad year would be 800 rushing yards as a quarterback. He went over a thousand last year, by the way, 800 would still break the record that he now owns. Uh, He gets in the end zone from 40 out running it. He's also got D I expect Hollywood Brown to have a, a bigger year. Uh, and I think he's going to take a progression as a passer. I like the fact that they've been ahead of the curve on this offense. People are going to try to defend them differently off of what you saw last year, but he's the ultimate X factor. Cause you give him any space at all and he can get through there and run. And I don't see them as much injury risk as we talk about everybody else that runs around with him. They don't catch them eventually. They, they, anybody that I go back to Michael Vick, I think he was playing the Ravens. I think it was Terrell Suggs. They got him the one time. He broke his ankle, twisted his ankle, whatever it was. He just wasn't – you cannot play like that unless you're 100%. The only thing that limits him any at all, the way the rules are now, is if he's not 100%. But his competitive fire, his leadership, I think he's going to be a better passer. He's got more weapons. I, I, if you're going to go crazy and get one of these top two guys, I'd feel comfortable doing it with him. He'll get caught eventually. I just don't think it's going to be this season. Um, and, uh, you know, when you see my projections, you'll see where I have because the big topic all off season was about where his touchdown or passing touchdown rate is going to regress to because he, he was at 9% last year. And I don't got to come back. Yeah, it's going to come back to earth. And, and there's no argument otherwise. I don't want to hear it. It's math. This has happened to everybody else. So what I did was I looked at what happened to the last two leaders in touchdown percentage. It was Carson Wentz and Patrick Mahomes and saw what their percentage drops look like the following season. In fact, that didn't get to Lamar Jackson's total. By the oh, way, by they the were way, both throwing it 50 times a game yeah. and not playing the Dolphins in week two where he had like five touchdown passes. And even with that, he's still going to give you a pretty damn good season. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I have literally like a three and a half point difference in total points uh, between these top two guys. So I think it's going to be incredibly close, but uh, yeah, I feel a little bit better about Mahomes just overall, just kind of his style and just how much they're going to throw it. But Lamar Jackson's going to have a great season. I don't think he's going to get 1,000 yards again, but I think he's going to get close on the ground. He's still going to get plenty of touchdowns. I want to see how, if they get any, what one, I want to see how Hollywood Brown plays this year. Apparently he's going to come in, it's already this season, but he's going to come in a little heavier. At least he's not coming in the best shape of his life in the air quotes that we always hear this time of year. But we'll see how he plays healthy. Uh, I know he had that great first game, but he was injured the entire offseason leading into his rookie year. Now he has another year under his belt. I want to see what he can do well. Do, do they mix in Duvernay and some of these other guys on the team to go along with the progression of a guy like Miles Borkin? You have Mark Andrews there. You have 18,000 running backs in the backfield. 
but it still all goes to Jackson. And every, everything they do is predicated on what he does, and he's going to put up a ton of stats. I just don't think he's going to – if you're expecting last year's numbers or somewhere close to last year's numbers, I, I, you're going to overpay. Uh, but I think he's going to be a, have a really, really, really good season. And, you know, it, it's interesting because it, it's tough to find too many level-headed takes right now on Lamar Jackson. I think like there's one of two things that are happening in the fantasy community. There's either look what he did last year, draft him in the first round, or dude's going to get hurt. He's not going to be able to run. He's going to get like 400 rushing yards, and I don't want any part of him. Let's kind of meet not really in the middle per se, but a little bit upper middle there and go, he's still going to have a damn good season. He's still clearly – in this upper tier where these two guys are just significantly better than everybody else at the position. I don't know if I can stomach the second, the late second round price that he's going to cost. And based on my rankings, which we're going to have a whole top 200 out on the DraftNetwork.com for premium users uh, uh, in a couple of weeks, but there's just going to be guys I like there better. Like I, I just cannot foresee us, even though he's going to be ranked probably in somewhere around the end of the second round for me in total rankings, there's no way one of my guys isn't going to be there at that point. So I, I'm no probably way. not going to have any of these top quarterbacks, but this is one where it's at least somewhat justifiable, particularly if you're going to say, okay, I got Christian McCaffrey. I got Saquon Barkley. I'm going to come back around and go, all right, I know I'm going to get one of these top receivers are going to fall to me or one of these other top backs are going to fall to me. I'm going to take a chance on Mahomes or I'm going to take a chance on Lamar Jackson. I can justify that way more than I can justify reaching for any of the other guys we've talked about today. It's the only way, the only time it ever makes sense is when you're usually in the top three picks and you come back around and one of these guys is still there and you've already solidified usually your number one overall running back, right? That's the only time it's, you're, you're, you're looking at it, but usually that's not what happens. Usually you're in a 12-team league and somebody at the seven, eight, nine spot, right, where it starts to be like, the top three or four backs are gone and the top two wide receivers are gone. And somebody looks and they go, Hey, I want my homes. Right. And that's the point. That's the point that I look at. And I go, no, just, but it happens every year. I, I see it happen in every single draft. Um, but here's, these why, two here's why it shouldn't page. So I can see that happening. You pick one and you pick 24 or whatever. It is a deep receiver class but a lot of the star running backs from last year, we're all expecting to split more time. So if you're going to get that second star running back, you're going to have to do it early. If you take a quarterback in round two, you can get more receivers in three, four, five, six, seven. They are all going to play and contribute for you all the way down to like Eric Ebron last is, you know, going to be listed as a tight end. going to play like a receiver in Pittsburgh. It just doesn't make any sense to reach as much as I like these guys. It makes no sense to reach that early because Nick Chubb splitting more time can end up not even being the feature guy in some halves, depending on how the games are going with Kareem Hunt's talent. A lot of these guys, Dalvin Cook, not going to put up the same numbers as last year, going to split more time. We, we taught like we, there's only four or five guys that are really going to be there. And if they're all gone, I guess you could reach, but this is a deep receiver class. It makes no sense to reach that early on. No, but inevitably, Oh, yeah. People Some do. Chiefs Ravens fans are going to go up. I'm, oh, taking, I'm taking Lamar Jackson eight. 100, 100%. Just uh, if you listen to the podcast, don't be that guy or girl. Please don't do it. We, we, we would expect otherwise. Listen, they're both exciting, right? You love Lamar Jackson, and I'm in agreement with you guys. Obviously, everything, everything there, it comes with a lot of faith in John Harbaugh, right? We talk about people making adjustments and coming back. And Greg Rose. Yeah, they said there was going to be adjustments last year. And Lamar Jackson came back and was better than ever. And it's also, I have a lot of faith in the attitude of the kid, 
right? Yeah. Like I say kid because he is literally he's still – He's still Younger than Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's super young, but he's got the right mentality and attitude to take what happened in the postseason and use that as motivation to come back and have an FU tour even after winning the MVP. And I think that c- combined with the fact that you have John Harbaugh who's innovating and dialing things in and spending time together – it's, it's impressive, these two guys. And obviously, number one overall, Mr. Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, uh, what is there to say about this guy? That would, I mean, Jake professed his love for him earlier, that he loves him even more than he loves Tom Brady, which is, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Jamie, I mean, it's Mahomes, right? What is there to say about him other than somebody in your league is probably going to draft him in the first round and just don't be that person? best quarterback in football, the best quarterback in fantasy football, the best quarterback in Madden football, the best quarterback in any form of, if he's not the best quarterback in whatever form of football you're playing, you should be playing a different form of football. Uh, that's really all I could say about then that. Then you're not really playing football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I expect him to lead the league in passing yards. I expect him to lead the league in passing touchdowns. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think he's going to put up a season like he did two years ago. I think that's asking a, a lot, but I think he's going to have an extremely successful season. Uh, I, look, he's got all his weapons. Still, all the weapons are still there. All, all his top guys are still there. Adding Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the backfield is another solid pass-catching option for him. Uh, what, what's the biggest weapon? He, the biggest weapons he lost this offseason are Demarcus Robinson and Blake Bell. So he's still got plenty of options to, to throw to. Uh, there's, to me, there's, 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 there are no negatives. There are no downside here. Um, I just took a look, and I'll give a sneak peek for our uh, TDN uh, fantasy listeners here. Uh, I had Mahomes and Jackson 26th, or 26th and 27th in my rankings. Uh, but at that point, I had 14 backs going ahead of them. So I, I'm me and Jake, I think are on the same page of like, you know, there are still even RB twos that you need to start taking before you even consider taking, uh, you know, a quarterback in this spot. So I will, considering that's a third round grade that I, I doubt I'm going to get either one of these players in many leagues, but um, look, there's just, there's, he, I think he's the safest option. He's the best option. There, there really no, really no downside uh, to taking Patrick Mahomes other than the opportunity cost of where you're going to have to take him. Uh, and unfortunately for a lot of you, depend- in home leagues where you're playing with maybe a lot of people that aren't, let's say, fantasy experts, they don't do a ton of research, you're not, they're not listening to a ton of podcasts, he's going in the first round. He's going oh, in 100%. 100%. In more standard fan, fan, you know, family leagues, he's going in early, mid-second round. Maybe in some of the really, really sharp leagues, they'll fall to round three, but I don't find that happening very often. So unfortunately, as... Uh, I don't want this to come across as pretentious for us or our listeners, but unfortunately as the more informed fantasy football community, a lot of times you miss out on players like this just because they get drafted at such ridiculous levels that you don't get a chance or the opportunity, unless you play in a bunch of leagues and you go like the share format where you're playing for a lot of money and you just want shares of certain players to kind of balance out your risk. Otherwise you, a, a lot of times you don't get the opportunity to play with one of the premier players at this position. Yeah, he'll be gone the first round of our TDN crazy league draft like last year. Uh, look, the only thing to say about Patrick Mahomes is that we all talk about it all the time, and I love the conversation of the most talented quarterbacks of all time and the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the dude when this is all said and done that's right there on the top of both lists or at the top of both lists. I don't know that anybody's going to surpass Brady because going to nine Super Bowls and winning six so far yeah. is just nuts. But how do you have the, the quarterback conversation without Dan Marino in your top five? And the more people I see put it out there, the less I see Dan Marino in the top five because he never won the Super Bowl. He went to one early, year two, lost to Joe Montana. Joe Montana's not in the top ten if we're talking about 
the most talented quarterbacks that have ever played, but he's number two on everybody's list on the greatest quarterbacks that ever played. Right. But Patrick Mahomes has got one could have got to another one. And you're in year one as a starter. Uh, I just, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be right at the top of both of those lists, which is a, that's rare. That's yeah. rare. Cause we talk about the most talented guys. There's guys that only played a couple years. Yeah. That were the most talented, but they didn't have it all. They couldn't put it all together. The kid has absolutely everything. The one thing I will caution people on in fantasy, the stuff he did in the playoffs, he's not going to do in the regular season. The crazy touchdown run, you're not going to see in the regular season. He's going to step out of bounds. So, like, don't think that he's become that player. He's going to run like Lamar Jackson all of a sudden. He's athletic no, enough not, to move around and make yeah. stuff happen. But he's doing it all with his arm from 30 different arm angles, eyes closed, sidearm, double pass, <laughs> left-handed. He's done all of that. Literally, uh, there's, there's nothing that you can't say about this kid. All of that's being said, don't draft him. <laughs> <laughs> it's too high. No, it's just too high. It, listen, he's spectacular. There's, there's Jamie, no what's amount the difference in points per game between Mahomes and where you have Wentz. Uh, so as you want me to assume 16 games for Wentz? I yes. have to do a little math. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. Then grab somebody down that way. No, no, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I I could do I could, I could do oh I could do Wentz. So for sixteen games of Wentz, doing yeah, math is not necessarily incredibly conducive to the, the podcast. So somebody else talk. This is a this is a so fun my, exercise. My point, my point is the difference in points per game between him, Roethlisberger playing sixteen games, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and then you got to factor Allen, and then you, where, I, where I have him. Even and golf, then you want to see Patrick their Rivers. ADP. Yeah, then you want to see yeah, their like ADP. That's, that's not not worth the risk. Like you. I just, I just went on and on and gushed about, I, I gushed about him before his first year as a starter. I mean, if you remember Pat Page back in those days, oh, yeah. I had him as my breakout star. But I said he's probably going to throw a lot of picks. He threw like fifty touchdowns, like four <laughs> picks. It was not. I mean, he just he surpassed everything. And I know why so many people were so high on him in the draft coming out. I still don't know how he got to what ten, whatever it was. Yeah, uh, I have it three point six per week between right now so that's pretty significant but 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 still between Mahomes and not enough uh, to give up an RB2 or wide receiver one yeah. or whatever you're talking about in the second round or the first round I mean go back to last he's year. not he's gonna go in the first round of most drafts period I picked that's 14, just gonna happen I picked 14th in our TDN league last year by the way I went 13 and one and got dusted in the semifinal <laughs> but I went Nick Chubb Dalvin Cook back to back yep. at 14 15 last year you're not gonna do that again I did enough mock drafts. I knew where some of those guys were going to be. And I loaded up early on that. I didn't take a quarterback till late. I listened to our show. I'm a part of our show. <laughs> I'm not there. I would have been nuts to go Nick Chubb, Patrick Mahomes. I would have had no chance of having the regular season that I had last year. I, I'm in total agreement with you. I just know that's it's, it's, they get drafted quarterbacks, these oh, top yeah. guys, doesn't matter who it is. Uh, there's always one, two, or three that end up being a first round and it, it handicaps you. It does because you end up getting a significantly less good player in either the running back or the wide receiver category. And it just matters. Man, I'm blown away by that number. How many games have you won or lost by 3.6 points? A few here I've, and there, but not, it's not an every week thing. It's more like 8, 10, 12, 15. Like, that, 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 if that doesn't, like, doesn't skew your, your mindset on where to take him or to not take him at all, I don't know what does. 
Yeah, that's a that's it's very interesting. That's why Jamie puts those projections out, right? Like we've oh, yeah. we've reached the end of the uh, of the quarterback breakdowns here, and that's it's a good time to remind you guys that those those projections are coming out next week, and that's that's where you take that information, and then you listen to us. But then if you've got something you're really into or something you're thinking about, cross reference it with the projections. Look at certain things and go, okay, yes, I will. I know that my league is full of this fan base and they're going to, cause that's, it, it, it may has a major impact. Most, most people that listen to these podcasts, you're in a league with your buddies who are predominantly from one city and they pay attention to a division more than they pay attention to the whole league, right? Those are things that happen and you got to take your scope out and your fandom out uh, and just pay attention to, to what is fantasy football versus real football. Cause real football, Mahomes is the number one pick off of every board that exists on planet earth. Okay. Not fantasy football. Okay. It's not, you're not starting a franchise. It's, this is something, something totally different. So hey, uh, one Jane, guy I want to mention, cause I got a question here. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. About. Okay. But my question, Ryan Tannehill, we didn't even talk about is our top 20. All of us loved him down the stretch. He was like, what top five or six there for a five week stretch yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah, he was, yeah, so I mean, if you love Josh Allen enough to be at six and, or these, some of these guys have him top three, but everybody had Tannehill going the polar opposite direction all the way down to 20. I think he's a guy that's worth talking about because he's completely left off our list. And I just don't feel right talking about a guy that finished the season last year, top six. Do I think he has the same season this year as last year? No, but they're not going to run it any more than they did. He still has the same weapons. Johnu Smith's going to be even better. Brown's going to be a star, even though he's now the number one guy. I just, I think he's worth talking about because he's a guy that we were talking about skewing the stats. Played receiver in college at one point, superstar athlete. Yes, there was injury risk. He stayed healthy last year, but I think he's definitely worth mentioning because I think people are going to ask us where he is if we don't throw it out there. Yeah, so he's, where he's do, the, I was going to say, Jamie, where do you have him ranked? So I'm at 22. He's, he's at the bottom of that same tier that started with Burrow. The conversation with Burrow and Rivers and Carr, he's in that same tier for me. My concern with Tannehill, I, I expect a little bit of, of regression from him, but I just I don't know if he's going to throw enough. Um, and, and that's my only concern. I, I have him at a I'll, – I'll, I'll give you this this way. I have him only at 40, 30, 437 attempts, which I think is what really holds him down. I actually have him at a pretty solid touchdown number, um, but I think it's just his, his attempts are going to be a little bit down. I don't think he's going to be quite as efficient because he was extremely – efficient last year I mean he wasn't throwing it a ton but just putting up crazy numbers I don't see him doing quite that level but again I, I don't have a huge difference between him and you know Derek Carr we talked about at 20 or even Philip Rivers so uh, he's kind of at that bottom of that tier for me and then another guy I mean we haven't talked about him yet but if I you could you're telling me I'm gonna get 16 games uh, out of Fitzpatrick he's also yeah. a guy that drops into the <laughs> teens yeah. I, 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 I have to bake in the fact that two are my play at some point, particularly late in the season, yes, if they just want to throw them in on the last few but games. guys to keep an eye on, but, right? That's two great yeah. guys to keep an eye on. If your guy gets hurt or you got a waiver wire issue, like, I mean, if you're telling me you're big on Derrick Henry running the ball, then I'm telling you I'm big on Ryan Tannehill having a nice season, throwing it play action off of that. He's really good last year play action. And if it's not there, he has no problem running for 12 yards and getting out of bounds. And is very athletic enough to do that. And then Fitz, man, Fitz is – he's going to throw some picks. But dude was oh, – He's also going to throw like, for He's going to sling it. <laughs> yeah, like if you, need, if you need a matchup, there's two guys to pay attention to that, that nobody's talking about. And I don't know how they – they were really good last year. 
and there was there people around them only got better. I don't I don't know how I don't know how you could have Josh Allen jumping up into the top three or four for a lot of people, but those guys falling outside the top twenty. That just doesn't make sense to me. I think I think the Tannehill conversation versus the Josh Allen stuff is strictly Josh Allen with his legs, right? When we've talked but I about think my point going back to Josh Allen, why I dropped him. I think you're gonna see him play more like Ryan Tannehill than you what could. he played last year like Josh of course. Allen. And that's going to run it for 10 or 12 and get it. You're going to have that in his head to not take those hits. And yes, he's going to run it better than that, but not by much. Yeah. That's again, that's where the weird part of the fantasy comes in because I have Tannehill with more yards per attempt than Josh Allen. I have him with five more t- passing touchdowns than Josh Allen. Yet you see the disparity in the ranking because of the, 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 the rushing, and particularly the fact that Josh Allen get, is used so much inside the five. Yes, he's used um, it, yeah. as, as uh, to run it in. It just, it's, and I think th- that's that what will stay the same. Is I think they're going to beat in his head, don't run as much, other than beat Cam Newton inside the five. Because he loves it. And it rallies the team, and they all follow behind him. I mean, it's, it's the, the quarterback position is the most fun to talk about, right? Because it's the most there's, – there's so much discrepancy in how people value certain things. And – as how much usual. they overvalue quarterbacks and, and how much they overvalue the difference between one yes. and 13 being 3.6 yes. points a game. Yes. It's because it's because it's the most popular and most critical position in regular football. And it, that's not, it does not equate to that in fantasy. And that is why many actual football players that I've had conversations with hate fantasy football because they think that it has no correlation to regular football, which I understand. I understand the, because it is a different, it's, you're talking about two completely different animals. We gushed about Patrick Mahomes and then told you, please don't draft Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> One last point. If we haven't beat this point home enough, just to give you a context to what that point total was. So the difference between the best fantasy quarterback in football and the in my, I guess in my case, the number one backup quarterback in fantasy football is the same as the difference between the running back four and my running back 14. I mean, that is what we're talking about a difference wise. So yeah. it, it's, again, it's not nothing, but it puts it into context of, of just the fact that there's just a lot of really good players bunched together in single quarterback leagues. This is where two quarterback leagues offer a lot more strategy because then you have to make, put that line of delineation where who are you going to take a risk on in that QB two spot? You know, do you feel that that, that Tannehill is your guy? Do you feel like it's Fitzpatrick, point, but will he lose his job? And then you don't have options. I mean, in a two quarterback league, every single starter is drafted. Yes. There aren't starters on the waiver wire. So you have to call your shot with a couple guys on your, I guess one is your QB two and one guy on your bench and go, I hope they make it through the season. Uh, so that, that's where there's been this push to do more two QB leagues because it opens that strategy up where then in that case, yes, you are taking, I mean, in that case, Mahomes and Jackson are going in round one in most drafts, but that's because having two great quarterbacks is all of a sudden super a valuable. tremendous yeah. advantage over the rest of the league. For so sure. that's where that strategy gets to be really interesting. But in single QB leagues, more often than not, unless somebody falls to you, it's just not worth going after the top options, even as good as they are. I really, last year was the first year I played in a two quarterback league and I really enjoyed it because it really forced you to, to value the quarterback position 
way more like it is in regular football. And I, I really enjoyed it. So if you never played in it, I'm not telling you, you all have to do it, but maybe the, for the people that play in a couple of different leagues, maybe see if one of your leagues is interested in playing like that. Cause I think it's, it forces you to draft completely differently than the strategy we've been talking about for the last hour. Uh, because obviously how, how different the quarterback position is valued. So Jake, we've finished our quarterback uh, breakdown. What are your final thoughts on today's podcast? The AFC has a lot more risk than the NFC on quarterback. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I was kind of blown away with the guys we talked about, but there is a bunch of value in the NFC quarterbacks that are a lot less risky to me. I mean, these AFC guys have some upside, but man, there's a lot of risk. Jamie, your final thoughts on today's pod? Yeah, that just continue to wait on quarterbacks, as we always say. And then check out, I know this was the quarterback show, but just released today on thedraftnetwork.com uh, for free users, my top 40 running backs, top 40 wide receivers. Uh, and for those that are premium subscribers, top 80 running backs, and then top 81 wide receivers. I, don't, I did an extra one just because I have 81 receivers with 100 points or more projected in PPR. So uh, you can kind of take a look at those. Uh, we're going to break those. We're going to think we have double shows, I believe, on each of those positions in the coming weeks as well. So we're going to go in-depth on all these other positions as well. But uh, keep an eye on that. Study those over the weekend. And I suggest start jumping into some of the mock drafts that you can do. Um, start looking around before everybody else is. Kind of see where the trends are starting to form. You know, where there's some values, uh, I strongly suggest doing that because, you know, you're going to blink and we're going to be in fantasy football season. Once like I said, once we get past that July 4th holiday, that's when things really start to ramp up in fantasy for me. Like that's the unofficial start of mock draft season in my mind. So get out in front of it. And then next week on the draft network too, for, for premium, for premium subscribers, all these projections that we've been alluding to, and you're going to see all of the numbers, you're going to be able to take those numbers and apply them to your league, your league settings. Uh, if you play in standard, half PPR, six point passing touchdowns, anything like that, you'll be able to take these numbers and apply it uh, and make your own little cheat sheets as well. Uh, as well as in the coming weeks, there'll be kicker defense rankings, and then just a overall top 200 cheat sheets for you to use. So there's going to be a lot available uh, for TDM premium subscribers. Yeah, really excited about everything that, uh, that Jamie's put together and excited to talk about all the top positions, right? So like you said, we'll be breaking down running backs and wide receivers and tight ends. And because we have a former kicker on the show, kickers are people too. Okay. We're talking we'll about three. We ain't talking about a lot of them. We're not going to talk about all of them. We'll, we'll lump kickers and defense into one show and we'll talk about all of it. But we will talk about it because there are usually a couple of kickers who really make a difference uh the last the last parting part of the podcast here is as as jake showed me visually as a good reminder uh listen everybody they come in black too they, they come in two colors okay so you should you should support one you should support the arians family foundation year round there are many ways uh to support the foundation but this is the latest way you can use this as an opportunity to get a mask if you don't already have a mask or get a way cooler mask if you have a lame one like I do. So I am going to support the Arians Family Foundation today by buying a mask and I will tweet out the link so that way you can see it and you can uh, have swagger like BA because don't at the end of the day. just buy it. Wear the damn thing. Yeah, also wear it because I want football. Please. I want and football. that's really the only thing that any of you should care about right now is having sports back in semi-normal life and just wear the damn mask. That's the, that's the true final thought of this podcast. Wear the damn mask and buy an Arians Family Foundation one so you can look cool doing it, okay? Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie? 
You follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore on Twitter. And you can find everything, as always, on the draftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.